Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secrets of Marketers podcast. Today's episode is with the legendary Joe Schrieffer. Joe is a 17-year veteran in the direct response marketing world and has the coveted title of being the head copy chief at Agora Financial. Agora Financial is the largest division of a company called Agora. If you guys don't know who Agora is, Agora is a $1.5 billion a year company that specializes in all things alternative in the big idea space, more specifically in the newsletter space. And Joe's job is to help bring out the biggest ideas possible and share them with the world. How many of you have ever tried to come up with a big idea and just weren't sure if it would work or not? Plenty of us have come up with really big ideas that turned out to be really big, bad ideas. And ever so often, maybe we've come up with some really big ideas that were good as well. Well, how would you like to learn how a 17-year vet finds really, really big ideas and knows within a few minutes if it's going to be really good or not? At the 10 minute and 40 second mark, that's exactly what we go into. I also ask him, what were some of his biggest mistakes? Being at this for 17 years, he's bound to make a few. And of course, he was really excited to get into some of the things that he feels that every marketer should be weary of, business owners should be weary of, and entrepreneurs should be weary of. It's all around the same thing. And that's at the six minute and 10 second mark. And then I end this episode by asking Joe what gets him inspired, what gets him excited. So, without any further ado, let's jump right into the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Secrets of Marketers podcast, and I have the privilege of presenting one of the most respected people in my specific niche, Mr. Joe Schrieffer, with us today, as he is going to be talking about some of his best-kept secrets in his space, what he does to be so successful, and all of the great things that come from being Joe Schrieffer. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I am very excited to share some uh, secrets with everybody today, and hopefully everybody gets a, a ton of value out of what we're about to do. Yeah, it's it's an honor to have you on the show. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, there is a lot of people who are listening to this show that are in um, niches outside of our financial trading and investing niche. So will you do me a favor, Joe, and just kind of give us a background on who you are, what do you do, and where are you at now? Sure. So my name is Joe Schrieffer. I help run a company called Agora Financial. We are part of a greater publishing parent company of which people may recognize called Agora. Agora is a marketplace of all things alternative ideas. So it may be health. It may be survival. Our particular niche that you just mentioned is financial. That's why we're called Agora Financial. So quick, uh, let's say 60-second story about me. I started at Agora Financial about 17 years ago, right out of college, not really knowing anything about marketing, not knowing anything about direct response, not knowing anything about alternative ideas or the big idea. And um, I got very, very lucky to find myself in Agora at that time. 
And Agora really taught me everything that I needed to know. And at the same time, gave me the entrepreneurial space to take risks and to try ideas and to fail very early, very often to learn from those mistakes and then be lucky enough to really have grown the company that we've grown today. So just for context, Agora Financial um, has basically 5X'd itself in revenue, let's say over the past five years. We have more than a million customers that we talk to each and every day through our financial newsletters and our e-letters. And we've gotten, I would say, pretty good at developing big ideas and writing those big ideas into converting pieces of direct response copy, you know, and through um, different partnerships, gotten pretty good at driving traffic to those ideas and seeing conversions happen. So that's a little bit about us. Uh, That's incredible, Joe. I I had no idea that you guys had gotten over the million customer mark. What an accomplishment. So congratulations there. That's huge. Yeah, it's definitely, it's been a fun ride over the past couple of years uh, to name drop some of the gurus that we work with that some people may or may not recognize who are listening to this. uh, We work with a gentleman named Robert Kiyosaki, who, if anyone's ever read the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series, uh, we publish his newsletters. So we publish... Robert Kiyosaki's newsletters. Um, we have a gentleman that we published named Tim Sykes, uh, who is probably the number one penny stock trader in the entire world. We published the number one macroeconomic researcher, a gentleman named Jim Rickards, and on and on and on and on. So we probably have 40 or 50 different newsletters uh, that we market, probably 20, 25 different gurus that we publish. And uh, yeah, it's been a fun ride over the past couple of years. I'm happy to share you know, not only any successes or, or some secrets, but also to share mistakes that we've made because those I have plenty of. And, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm very, very happy to, uh, to have people not make the same mistakes that I have to be able to grow their businesses faster uh, without risking the money that, that we've risked. Yeah, I love that. And that is a really, really important part of everything that we're doing, um, right, is to learn from the mistakes that we all make on a daily basis. Because at the end of the day, we don't have crystal balls, right? We don't know exactly what's going to work and what's not going to work. So maybe we could start there, Joe. So you've been doing this for a while and the growth has been tremendous. The brands that you're working with uh, are incredible and they obviously have entrusted you. Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that is a legendary name. Uh, I think everybody listening to this, if they weren't living under a rock somewhere, has heard of him. Um, What are some of the things that you have um, learned from or maybe one of the biggest things in your career that you've learned as a marketer not to do or mistakes that you've made that have really impacted where you're at today? Sure. So happy to share. Uh, Before I get to that, though, I did want to share one quote that I read recently that I thought was pretty awesome. And uh, it came, I don't know who this gentleman is, but I read it somewhere else. So I'm just going to give you his name. Came from this gentleman named uh, Otto von Bismarck, who at some point was the Iron Chancellor of Germany. And I don't even know what that actually means. I don't know what that (laughs) means. The the quote was, uh, only a fool learns from his own mistakes but the wise man mm. learns from the mistakes of others. So at some point, I'm working on a book that I'm going to put together called Mistakes from Mentors. Uh, it's a play. Mm, I love that. Ferris's book. Uh, what was that book that he put out recently? It was like... Uh, the Tools for Titans? There you go. It, was, it was a play on Tools for Titans. So I want to do Mistakes from Mentors, and I want to basically um, tell the mistakes that I had either uh, learned from my mentors or put my own mistakes in there as well. So 
largest mistake that I believe I've ever made, you know, in trying to grow our company or anything like that is to not really understand what, what the most impactful thing I could be doing at that moment was. So for us, the most impactful thing that I can always do is to work on a quote unquote big idea. And I'll define that in a second. Uh, it sounds like you may have had Todd Brown here on the, on the podcast in the past. If you have had yep. Todd, you know, he can define the big idea very well as well. But what happens for me and, and the trap I have fallen into many times is that as the business grows and as the business scales, more people want your time, more things seem to require your attention. You know, you're pulled in, in a thousand different proverbial ways and you forget what's really important about your business and you forget what you could and should be doing to grow your business because all these things will invade your life as your business begins to scale and as you bring in more employees and more employees, more problems, all those problems seem to want your attention, but rarely do they ever you know, require your business to be at risk, therefore requiring your attention, or rarely do they ever actually help push the business forward. So I would say the number one mistake that I had made is thinking that all those small, little, inconsequential problems required my attention, where they didn't. Mm. You know, people will become time vampires and things will seem to suck your attention away from not really understanding what is important about your business. So really coming in every day and saying, you know what, I'm going to not only define what I can do as an entrepreneur or as a business leader or as a CEO, not only define what that what I should be doing, but then actually to schedule my day to make sure I'm doing that thing every single day. And again, for us, that's going to be, you know, defining a big idea and working on a big idea and trying to put that big idea into some type of persuasive piece of sales copy that will grow the front end acquisition of our business and give us the ability to launch many businesses off the back end once we've acquired new customers with that big idea. So that's it. That's my number you, one mistake is really not defining and or not making sure I had enough time to work on that. Yeah, I love that. The the more uh, success you become, the more opportunities come your way. And that in and of itself brings a whole set of new problems because um, as an entrepreneur, and most people who are listening are, most people who have businesses, marketers, that's that's a very big part of who we are as people. That That is something that you need to be conscientious of is trying to do too many things at the same time, trying to chase too many things, getting distracted. So that is actually a really, really good piece of advice, especially somebody who has been able to grow and scale something so large. Um, that's the only way you're able to do it is by staying focused. And it, but you were starting... At different stages, you have different problems, right? So this isn't just a problem with scale. If you look at it from a small business entrepreneurial side, and if someone's at home and they are uh, trying to la launch a direct response uh, chiropractic business, and you know right now they're a business of one, let's say, they still mm -hmm. have problems. It's not going to be the same problems as, as people with scale, but they're going to have problems, which is you know they're going to think that things like websites matter or things like business cards matter, which it does not matter. What matters is how do I break through yeah. some day get their attention and communicate to them that either they need chiropractic help or that I'm the chiropractor that could help them. So even in a small solo entrepreneur business, you know, there are still distractions that don't matter. And those, those distractions are going to be different, right? Again, they're going to be, uh, oh, I think I got to um, set up my, my merchant account in exactly the right way, or I need to 
figure out the back end of my web platform in exactly <laughs> the right way. All of those things yeah. may matter, but they matter after you find the most compelling idea to interrupt someone's day and get them to potentially convert to whatever it is that you're offering. Uh, problems get business or get different with scale, but but the problems are going to exist if you're a business of one or if you're a business of a thousand, of course. So on that note of the big idea, so working with the number one, you know, penny stock trader and working with these huge guys, how do you define a, a good big idea versus a bad big idea? Because I think that's something that we all as marketers want to do all the time is to come up with these really, really great concepts that we can really get behind and, and create this like amazing campaign. How do you do it? What is your process? How do you, when other people bring ideas to you, how do you quickly discern, oh, that's, that wouldn't work or that's a great idea? I would love to pick your brain on that. Yeah. So first is going to be the definition of the big idea. And really to put this in, in context, um, this is the hardest thing that we have to teach people within our business. You know, what is an idea? It's so uh, generic sounding and so esoteric that it's really hard to grasp. So here in our business, we when we bring on a new employee or find a new partner to work with, uh, we conduct weeks and weeks of a definition of what a big idea is, and we show a lot of them, and we show you know, hey, here's a big idea, here's not a big idea. But the point is that we spend weeks defining this. I'm going to try to do it here in about 90 seconds. <laughs> we spend weeks on because that if that's anything that's separated our business from any of our competitors, it's that we've kind of nailed the big idea more than anyone else in our respective industry. Uh, Absolutely. But I'm going to boil it down to 90 seconds. And I'm going to tell you a couple different ways to define it. And then I'll tell you how I'm able to spot one pretty instantly. So Great. some of the definitions of big ideas are things like it's an emotionally compelling, intellectually interesting, new and novel uh, thing I haven't heard before. So there's a couple pieces of that. It's emotionally interesting. It's intellectually compelling. Uh, so it's got to have some emotion. It's got to have some intellect in it. And it's got to feel new and novel. So that's one way to define it. The other way to define it is it's an idea that takes someone to an emotional extreme and that alleviates that extreme by further information. So in mm. our industry, you know, maybe that extreme, because we're in the financial markets, might be greed or might be fear or might be envy, uh, but it is some type of emotional extreme that alleviates that extreme through the delivery of more information. You know, hey... Uh, if you don't have enough money right now and you want money and you want the better things in life, then you should buy this idea from America's number one penny stock trader or America's number one income retirement expert or whatever it might be. So that's a second way to look at it. You've got emotion in there again, and you've got extremes in there again, because in today's world, as we all know, it takes extreme measure to get someone to act anymore. So that's yeah. the definition of a big idea adds some a little bit more context, which is how extreme you have to take somebody. My best definition of the big idea is what I'm about to tell you right now. And it's very, very simple. And anyone, no matter any level of experience, is going to understand this, what I'm about to say, and is going to be able to implement this in their business. And that's simply this. I know it's a big idea when I hear it and when I'm jealous I didn't think of it. That's it. 
Oh, I love that. If I hear an idea, and the first thought that comes to my mind is, damn it, why didn't I think of that? That's when I think yeah. of an idea. And that's the simplicity, right? You don't need to read any books. You don't need to read any marketing copy. Uh, you don't need to download the next copywriting course to figure that out. If someone tells you an idea and you're jealous that you didn't think of it, it's probably a big idea. And subsequently, that's the reaction that you're looking for with your own big ideas. So if you come across a big idea and you want to share it with a friend or if you want to share it you know, with a family member or a coworker or a partner, that's the reaction that you're looking for, is you're looking for them to say, that is such an amazing idea. I can't believe I didn't think of it yet. Really, any mm. other reaction, you don't know if you have a big idea or not. You know, because friends are going to be nice and they're going to say, oh, that sounds really cute. Or, uh, oh, that sounds like it's pretty good, right? But that's not, why didn't I think of that? So that's the yeah. reaction that I look at. And that's the reaction that I look for. And that's the reaction that, you know, we have on staff here at Agora Financial, we have relatively, or I'm sorry, roughly, I don't know, maybe 40 different uh, copywriters on staff that are at any point working on big ideas, when they come in and they pitch it to me, that is my single way to say, do I think this is going to be a hit idea or not? Is if I'm jealous that I didn't think about it or I didn't think of it before. Oh. And, you know, within our business, uh, I might hear that four or five times a year. You know, I might hear ideas good enough four or five times a year that are paradigm shifting ideas that are so simple in nature that uh, everybody can get that idea, that it can compel someone to action, and that could really build our business. And I probably hear hundreds, if not thousands of ideas that never elicit that reaction to me that I know will not convert people uh, en masse, let's say. So when you hear those bad ideas and you tell your team to go away and come back, do you refine it? Do you put money behind it and say, well, let's test it? What do you do with the, you know, you said four, and, and I know you're getting bombarded with everybody telling you, hey, I've got this idea for a campaign and that idea. So what do you do with the ones that aren't so great? Do you massage them and make them better? Do you test them? What do you do? Sure. So a look, little look at our process. Uh, again, we have the luxury of, of having a relatively large copywriting team, about 40 people. So they pitch me ideas all the time, and um, I, it's it's up to me to give my honest reaction to that idea. You know, I'm never going to be, um, as we all know, the the phrase goes that real friends don't tell you what they think you want to hear; they tell you what you deserve to hear. So, mm. oftentimes in my you know earlier career, I would be really nice to people, and I would tell them, "Oh, that sounds like a great idea," even though I thought it was a very poor idea. And then they go along and they work on it, and then it goes out there and it fails. And I said you know, I'm not really being nice by lying to these people. So I'm going to be very direct and I'm going to be very honest. Now, in certain times, that copywriter may disagree with me. That copywriter might say, you know what, Joe, I respect what you're saying, but I totally disagree. And I really think this is a big idea, even though you don't think it is. And if that's the case, then as long as it's not a lie, as long as it's not going to hurt our subscriber, and as long as they're not cheating, then I'm going to allow them to throw some money at that idea and test it. Because maybe they're right. Yeah. Maybe my filter of finding a big idea is off. And I don't want to be the bottleneck for our business. You know, I don't want to feel so omnipresent that I'm the only one that could spot big ideas. Maybe I'm going to be wrong. So as long as it's not a sure. lie, as long as it's not going to hurt our subscribers, as long as it's not cheating in any type of way or going to get us in any legal trouble, uh, as long as it's lawful, as long as it's truthful, as long as it's, it's rooted in passion, 
then even if I disagree, we're going to test that idea. Now, you know, to throw some specificity at that, I would say that 80% of the time, the copywriter walks away and takes my advice. 20% of the time, they're going to disagree with me. And, um, you know, I've been wrong in the past, right? I've thought that ideas aren't amazingly big ideas. And once in a while, it will turn out to be a pretty good idea. Most of the time, my filter is pretty decent right now because of, uh, you know, the, the nearly two decades that I've spent here and all the mistakes that I've had on trying to develop a big idea. Um, but occasionally, you know, I am still surprised. So to, to answer your question in a very long-winded way, uh, as long as it's truthful, as long as it's, it's lawful, uh, and as long as they have a passion about it, we're going to test it even if I wholeheartedly disagree. We'll throw some money at it to test, you know, what that money is going to be. Who knows? It might be five grand or 10 grand in our case to buy some, you know, Facebook ads or Google ads or, or to throw some money with a third-party traffic driving agency, and we'll see how it works. Um, yeah, I love that. Two two things that come to me when you kind of emphasized how you address people who come to you with ideas, um, and you know that evolution of being nice and then said, "Hey, I started to be to be direct." One of the hallmarks I see in all great marketers is what I like to call the ego less marketer, mm-hmm. where it's the person who isn't you know don't you can't have an ego. You just said it yourself. Look, like, hey, I I could be wrong. This thing could be the next hottest campaign I've ever heard, and my filter wasn't great. That's because you've put down your ego and said, hey, this guy, I'll give this guy a shot. And you let money talk. You let the numbers talk versus, yeah, versus something else. I always tell Um, you, you know, I'd love to be wrong because if I'm wrong, we're making money. (laughs) If I'm thinking that that's a bad idea and it ends up being a great idea, then I love to be wrong because we're wrong and we're making money. (laughs) So why not be wrong in that case? Like, you know, I value uh, the growth of our business over the growth of my ego so if my ego has to take a hit that I was wrong and the business grows, then so be it because that's the better way to run the thing. I have a, a table. I'm writing literally on a marker on top of my conference room table right now uh, with a ton of notes. This is, this is killer stuff. I'd love to end this by understanding how do you, Joe, get inspired when it's your turn to come up with a big idea or you're working with one of your copywriters to, to help them fine tune their big idea. What are you doing with them? What do you recommend? What do you do personally to get inspired to come up with this big idea? It's a great question. I love working around smart people. So if I could surround myself that are with people that are, and this is a little bit trite, but I'm going to say it. If I can be the dumbest person in a smart room, then I'm always inspired because mm. that inspiration surrounds me. So yeah. try to put myself, I don't want to be the smartest pe- person in a dumb room, nor do I want to be the dumbest person in a dumb room. I want to be a dumb person in a very smart room. And if that's the case, then how can you not be inspired? So I try to structure my life and structure my relationships and our business partners with people that are just better than I am. And they may not be better at certain things than I am, but they're going to be better at a lot of things than I am. For instance, uh, we had just onboarded a new guru who is a gentleman named George Gilder. And I'm going to tell George Gilder's story very quickly because I think it shows how you inspire to find big ideas. George Gilder, many people probably don't know his name, but uh, I'm going to drop a couple facts about him. He is what I would consider one of the top futurists in the world. George Gilder gave Ronald Reagan the very first microchip that Ronald Reagan had ever seen. And he told Ronald Reagan that that microchip was going to change the world. 
And that was like, you know, whatever in the mid eighties. Right. And we look at mm-hmm. now microchips run nearly everything that we touch in our lives, you know, from this podcast that we're recording equipment on to the cell phones that we use to communicate with each other before and scheduling this to everything in our lives, to our cars, to everything. Right. So he did that in 1994, George Gilder wrote a book called Life After Television. And in that book, George Gilder said something along the lines of the next personal computer was going to be a digital cell phone with an IP address that would collect your mail, that would help you collect your paycheck, that would navigate streets, that would recognize voice. That was in 1994. Steve Jobs of the late Apple took George Gilder's book, passed it out to the earliest of Apple employees, 13 years later, Apple came out with the iPhone in 2007 and changed everybody's life. George Gilder predicted wow. 1994. So we have now signed a deal to be George Gilder's publisher. George Gilder came in the other day and we, we said, George, you know, what are you seeing in the future? What are you seeing happening with America? What do you see happening in technology? And George Gilder told this fascinating story about what he believes next is going to be a massive reboot of the internet that's coming. He was there at the start of the internet, and he said the entire internet architecture in the early, let's say, 90s up until you know the late 90s when all the dot-com happened, the entire architecture of the internet is built on an information-first protocol because the internet was really meant to spread information. However, as we all know, the internet has now turned into a commerce engine, but the internet was never built for a commerce engine. It was built for information, and it's been patched together with all this duct work and duct tape of being able to conduct commerce on the internet, but not very securely, right? That's why we need 22 different types of passwords with special characters and numbers and letters. And uh, we need to, to check boxes that we're not robots and that we look at these CAPTCHA pictures and everything like that. It's patched together, but he believes that there's gonna be a massive new reboot of the internet that's coming built on blockchain technology and security first architecture, not mm. information first. So I tell you that story to say that how can you not find a big idea in that? You know, putting myself as the subordinate in that room and talking to someone like George Gilder, who's done all these amazing things in life, it is massively uh, inspirational. And it's like ideas come in a plethora of ideas when you surround yourself with the right people. So, you know, to say it another trite way, you know, all everybody says, hey, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, but it's trite, but it's absolutely true. So if you surround yourself with good people, amazing people, uh, you know, you listen to the right podcast, like the one that we're on here today, uh, it's not hard to find inspiration. If you hold yourself up and you become a recluse and you don't talk to anybody and you don't go out there and network and you have to be the smartest person in your life, then yeah, it's damn hard to find inspiration. And you're trying to hack it at that point. Oh, I'm going to meditate four hours a day or, uh, you know, I need to uh, read every single book in life and try to synthesize every idea down to a creation of a new one in my own head. Uh, You know, I'm sure there's ways that you could hack it like that, but a much easier way is just go out there and network, you know, become friends with people and, you know, share your ideas and practice the idea of abundance. I'm going to share my best ideas if you share your best ideas and develop that network, surround yourself by inspirational people. And because of that, ideas will flow. And even if they're not in your industry, right? Like even if you, again, just to use the the example, if you run a chiropractic agency and you go talk to somebody that's in the financial publishing agency, on the surface, there may not be any inspiration between the two of you, 
But in developing and being surrounded by a smart network, you will find connections in ideas that are probably being done in the financial markets that you can use to grow your chiropractic agency and vice versa, right? You're probably like, oh, I never thought of the world like that before. Maybe I could tweak this or maybe I could do this. So that is the very long-winded way to say that if you surround yourself, inspiration uh, is not hard. So that's, to me, the step of it. You know, I get to spend time with people that I admire, people that uh, have history and background that I'll never be able to. Like, I'm never, obviously, for many reasons, <laughs> one of which is that he's passed away, but I'm never going to spend time with Ronald Reagan. But I can spend time yeah. with the guy who gave Reagan the first microchip and ask him questions. You know, how can you not have ideas when, when things are like that? Oh, Joe, that was amazing. And the perfect, perfect story to encapsulate everything you just said, because I was very much emotionally intrigued. I had, it was definitely intellectually, I was like, okay, what's, where's this going? And that was new and novel. I have never heard of that guy before. Um, and that was really, really well done way to bring that full circle. Um, and that's why you're so legendary. That's why you're such, you're the goat in our space, um, for being able to do that. And I do tell people all the time, I said, you know, it's like learning, marketing is like learning how to play music. Um, whether you want to become a singer, whether you want to play the guitar or violin, once you start to learn how to play music and make your own music, you'll never hear a song the same way again, right? You're going to know, oh, this is the melody, this is the bridge, this is, the, you know, and you'll hear chords that you know how to play and you'll hear it completely different. To be inspired and to find big ideas and to come up with really good marketing campaigns, all you have to do is listen. All you have to do is think like a musician would about listening to music is that they will constantly try to find out what emotionally is inspiring them, what is intellectually in, uh, curious to them. Is this something new and different? Oh, I haven't heard that sound before. I haven't heard that story before. I haven't heard that angle before. Uh, the great comedian uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld says that he's a terrible listener because he's constantly <laughs> trying to think of the next joke, right, out of the conversations he's having in the everyday life that he's having uh, because he's constant. He just can't help himself but do that. And so surrounding yourself with smart people, people who are, um, who are smarter than you and putting yourself in that position is, uh, is fantastic. And I think most of the legends in any industry would say the same thing. So Joe, this was, this was amazing. And I knew that you would bring some amazing value to everybody listening. So if, I really, really appreciate that. If you have uh, two more minutes, I know we can go into some bonus time real quick, because I could tell you one more story that might encapsulate you know, the right network, finding inspiration, finding a big idea to kind of tie it all together as well. And it, it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty fascinating story. I could share it with you real quick. Yes, in please. bonus time if you would like. Yes. Okay. Another gentleman that we work with that um, we had sought out and tried to do a business deal with, and we were successful in doing a business deal with was a gentleman named Jim Rickards. And I'm going to tell you the story of Jim Rickards. And then I'm going to tell you the big idea that came out of that surrounding with uh, someone like Jim. So Jim Rickards was at one point, I believe he was the highest paid attorney on Wall Street in the late 1990s. And he was the attorney for a company called Long-Term Capital Management, which there have been many books and movies written about because it was the largest hedge fund in the world. And it made some uh, improper bets about volatility and ended up blowing up nearly the whole financial system. It was in 1998, it was 10 years before the repeat of the 2008 crisis that hit, uh, but it was done on a much different mechanism. It was almost a hedge fund blowing up the world versus a housing crisis. 
But anyway, George, or sorry, Jim Rickards had organized in 1998 a private bailout, private bailout of long-term mm-hmm. capital management. And it really saved the world from financial collapse. The same thing almost happened in 2008, but the government got together and organized a public bailout of the banks, which you know we all got taxed for and delivered money to places like Goldman Sachs. But Rick, <laughs> 10 years earlier, had organized a private bailout of the system that saved the financial world from collapse. Now, I tell you all that to say that you know, 2001 hits September 11th, 2001. Of course, we don't need to tell that story, but September 2001 hits or September 11th, 2001. And what most people don't know about 9-11 is that someone in the financial markets made an enormous bet against the airline stocks days before 9-11 happened. And Hmm. when that happened, the stock market opened, of course, whatever, seven days later after being shut down, and people were terrified and the market dropped very fast. Airline stocks dropped really fast. So someone made a bet against the airline stocks in a very outlandish way and profited from that bet days after 9-11. And the United States government wanted to find out, did someone have advanced knowledge of 9-11 based on the financial bet that they had made? And they called in our guy, Jim Rickards, to build a system that said, could we use outlandish bets against certain industries in the stock market to potentially predict financial terrorist activities that were about to happen. Wow. Jim Rickards built a system for the United States government, for the CIA, called Project Prophecy. Uh, It was a government event, and it was him and like 40 other people, and together they built a system that would use outlandish bets in the stock market to say, could this be predicting future terrorist activity? For instance, if all of a sudden... Um, based on Project Prophecy, you could see that there were massive bets against the railroad stocks. Could it mean that someone was about to derail a railroad in a terrorist event? That was basically right. what it was built on. So Jim Rickards has this fascinating story. Uh, Jim Rickards will tell this story. He wrote it up in a couple of his books. He's got a book called Death of Money uh, that I believe that story was written up in. So we now publish all of Jim's newsletters, and it's not hard to find a big idea when you have someone like Jim Rickards because he's the right person you're surrounding yourself in or with. So when Jim came on board, he tells us his story and then you know you have a million different ideas and a million different ways to be inspired uh, out of that to tie back in the entirety of the conversation that we're having. We put out a big idea that basically said the same system, the same classified system that the government uses to predict potential terrorist activity can now be used to predict which stocks are about to go up in the markets uh, starting as early as tomorrow. That was our big idea. And it was all based on the exact same system that Jim had built for the United States government based on insider money activity. So that was our big idea. Um, We've made dozens of millions of dollars on that single idea, but it all came because we were inspired by Jim and his story. So if there's anything that I could tell everybody, you know, today it's that coming back to those mistakes, you know, I, I, it was a mistake of mine to wanting in my earliest days to be the smartest one in the business. That was absolutely a mistake because of that ego. When I dropped the ego, when I got egoless, as you put it, and when I surrounded myself with good people, inspiration is easy and big ideas are easy. If you always have to be the smartest one in your life and in your business, 
it's, it's not going to work out well for you at some point. So that's the totality of, I think, of my earliest mistakes and, uh, you know, how big ideas come and how inspiration comes. So I hope everybody found that, you know, little two or three minute story kind of, uh, you know, a perfect demonstration of inspiration and big ideas. Oh, that's so good, Joe. Of course. That, oh man, I hope everybody um, is going to go back and listen to this multiple times just to find out a couple ways that you've positioned things and exactly how you've taken things. And you you were able to take this amazing story of his, of Pro- Project Prophecy, and then turn that into, and that's where I was thinking, is like, man, that would be, as you're telling stories, like that would be an amazing way to find stocks that would move, right? The opposite, good profit opportunities for it. Um, and so by listening and by observing and by asking, uh, asking yourself questions like that, you were able to come out with this, um, you know, dozens of millions of dollars campaign and idea that was all built off of that. Um, that is fantastic. And I think everybody, whether you're a small business, medium sized big business or big business, um, can all relate that we're all trying to stories sell. So we're all trying to come up with that one way of, of, of conveying our value add our service or our product. And, um, what you just outlined, Joe, was one of the best ways I've ever heard it said, and the stories were perfect. So that's incredible. Thank you so much for your time. I know that you're really, really busy and you've got a lot of things going on. So I, it was an honor to have you on the show. I hope to have you back again. And um, is there any way that people can get a hold of you if they've got any questions or uh, you're on Instagram or Facebook? Is there any way that uh, we can they can reach out to you in any way? Sure. Uh, if not, that yeah. How, how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, easiest way is uh, I'll just give everybody my email address right here. Uh, I believe in abundance. I do not believe in scarcity. I do not believe in a lot of industry secrets, quote unquote. So I'm happy to share anything. You know, today's the beginning of it. Uh, I owe my life to this business. I got very lucky finding myself in the place that I found at the time that I found. So I like to pay it back to our industry and to our business and to any of our potential partners or anybody listening today. So if anybody has any questions whatsoever, uh, I'll give my email address. It's the letter J and then my last name, Schriefer, which is S as in Sam, C-H-R-I-E-F as in Frank, E-R at agorafinancial.com. So J-S-C-H-R-I-E-F-E-R at agorafinancial.com. You know, if you want to know anything about our business or uh, if you have a question about your business, if you want me to look at a big idea, if you want to, um, you know, have my thoughts on how to write, rewrite your headline or ways that you might be able to drive traffic to your idea or whatever it might be, you know, I'm very, very happy to pay it forward. So send me an email. Uh, Again, maybe there's some business that we could all do in the future. Who knows? And If not, maybe we could all just be inspired by each other. Wow. Well said. Well done. Thank you so much, Joe. It was an honor, and I can't wait to have you back on soon. Thank you very much, Jeremy. There you go. That concludes another episode of the Secrets of Marketers podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're looking for even more content, more ideas, more things that you can do today to help grow your business, then head on over to my Instagram page at Secrets of Marketers. I've got a bunch of content on there and we're giving you guys access to all the behind the scenes stuff that go into making these episodes happen, as well as even more content that you can start to apply to your business today.
today. And if you guys like this show, then help me spread the word. Go to the podcast page on iTunes and leave me a review. It's how I can rank well and how other people can find me. So go for it. Thanks for making my dreams come true. Now go make yours come true. Thanks again.